I wanted to share this with you. Someone once wrote, some of us stay at the cross. Some of us wait at the tomb. Quickened and raised with Christ, yet lingering still in the gloom. Some of us bide at the Passover feast with Pentecost all unknown. The triumphs of grace in the heavenly place that our Lord has made his own. If the Christ who died had stopped at the cross, his work had been incomplete. If the Christ who was buried had stayed in the tomb, he had only known defeat. But the way of the cross never stops at the cross and the way of the tomb leads on to victorious grace in the heavenly place where the risen Lord has gone. I'm looking forward to that place today. That heavenly place to where I'll never have to worry about this place again. That place where I can lay my sword down and never fight another fight. That place that he is going to prepare for each and every one of us. That place to where we can abide with him for all eternity. You know, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that our Lord and Savior, the only begotten of our Heavenly Father, the promised Messiah, the Christ child, Jesus, he is still alive today. Oh, what a message to share that the cross is not the end or it was not the end of our Savior. The tomb was not able to keep him, but he gained victory over death, hell, and the grave. And for those of us who know him, those of us who have surrendered our lives to him, his victory is our victory. His victory gives us hope that if we go by the grave, that it cannot hold us. Death will not keep us, but we will rise to live with him for all eternity. Isn't that good to know? I mean, for all of those who know him, all of you who know him as Lord and Savior, it ought to excite you to know that this day exists. To know that we can celebrate the day that our Lord, our Lord and Savior here rose from the grave because it's our day of hope. It's our day. It's, this is our holiday. It's our day that we rejoice and we worship him because of the hope that he's given us. In Matthew's gospel, we begin to see that hope brought to life uh, in, the, in the lives of some women who had went to the tomb. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in verse 9, as, And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came, and they held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for the assurance that you give us and that you are risen. God, we just thank you for the life that your son lived so that we would have an example. We thank you for his death so that we would have forgiveness and we thank you for his life that we would have victory. And God, we praise you this day. 
Now, God, we pray that you would take the broken words that will be said and you would fix and form and fashion them in the hearts of each one that is here today, God. And you would speak to our hearts and continue to minister to us. We thank you for what our hearts have already felt. For God, we felt your presence. God, we come by faith, but we, we have felt your presence today. Now be with us with, that, with the remainder of this service. And if there's one here that doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, God, speak to their hearts and help them to see that they need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. It doesn't take rocket science to notice that in the Gospels, when we look in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are different variations of the same account. When we look in, at these men and how they present the Gospel, they present it in a way in which it, it affected them. Now, the storyline may be a little different, but it is still the same story. God used human writers inspired by his Holy Spirit to share with us the accounts of Jesus' life, to share with us his Holy Word. These men were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write because he gives us a message each Gospel writer gives us a message that is true, a message that doesn't contradict itself, a message that if we dig deep enough, we find that it's the exact same message. But we can apply it in so many different ways. When we look in this passage, we find that Matthew records that after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb where Jesus had been buried. In Mark's account, the women went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. In Luke's account, uh, it shares that they brought spices. So it appears that the women uh, went to complete the burial process. It's possible because the Sabbath was quickly approaching that they weren't able to complete the burial process. They had to get back to their homes. They couldn't be out seen walking around on the Sabbath. That's possible. It's possible that they've done what they could actually emotionally and physically do after witnessing him die on a cross. We have to remember he is their Lord. He is their Savior. He is the one they had put all their hope in. And he has died on an old rugged cross. By the hands of, of the Roman soldiers because of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Here they're, the one that they were depending on to set up his kingdom on earth has died. So emotionally they were just spent. It's possible they just couldn't do anymore. But for whatever the reason, these women found themselves coming back to the tomb early, before dark, before daylight on, that, on the first day of the week. But when they approached the tomb, there was suddenly a great earthquake. And for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he rolled back the stone. As he rolled the stone back, the Bible tells us that he sat up upon the stone. The Bible says that the guards shook and became as dead men. 
the, but the angel spoke to the women and told them to not be afraid. He, he knew, the angel knew that the, they were coming seeking the Jesus who was crucified. So he told them that he's not there. He told them that he is risen. The angel of the Lord told the women to go into, into the tomb where he had been laid. The angel told them to then after they saw for themselves that Jesus wasn't there, the angel told them to go to the disciples and tell them that he is risen from the dead. And that he would go before them to Galilee and there he would see them. The women quickly, the Bible says they quickly left the tomb to go tell the disciples this message. Oh, what a message it was that those women were given that day. It was a message of hope, a message of life, a message of victory. It was a message that they needed to hear. They were distraught. They were in despair. They didn't know what to do. And then they hear the message that Jesus is alive. And it's a message that the lost in this world still needs to hear today. I pray that we as born again believers will never stop sharing this message. The the tomb where they laid our Lord and Savior. It is empty. He, he will never be dead. He will never lay dead again. He is alive and he is alive forevermore. Amen. Unfortunately, there are those men and women around the world, around us, around our neighborhoods, within our homes, within our families that, that are trapped by the bondage of sin. They are living with guilt and shame. They are in the midst of despair. They are struggling just to open their eyes and take the next step in front of them. Folks, they need to hear this message. They need to hear that there's hope. They need to hear that there is life. They need to hear that there is victory. They need to hear that it's all found in Jesus Christ and I pray that we will joyfully share the message that Jesus is alive he is risen for there are many who desperately need to hear about our risen Lord now in sharing about our risen Lord we may be asked how do we know that he is risen well, if we notice the text, it tells us how we know. As the women, we, there was an appearance of the Lord. As the women left to go tell the disciples that they, what they had seen and heard, Jesus himself appeared to them. As we see there in verse 9, he appeared to them. He spoke to them, giving them a word filled with encouragement and hope. He told them to rejoice. You know, it's important that we don't miss this. They had reason to rejoice. And we have reason to rejoice today. They Now they had seen the risen Savior. They no longer were going to go deliver a secondhand message to the disciples. Now they were eyewitnesses to the account of the message that Jesus is risen. They had seen him alive for themselves. Now keep in mind, they watched him be beaten. They watched him be nailed to the cross. They watched him die. They watched him be buried. And now he is a risen savior. Jesus had come to them personally when they seen him. And when they seen him for themselves, they have a message to share as an eyewitness account that Jesus is risen from the dead. Many of you here 
I, I don't see them in the congregation. They may be here, but you all know, Elena and Greg, most of you know, that they're expecting their first child. They're expecting, and they're, it's, it's to be a, a little boy. And as they're expecting this, we can understand that they are extremely excited. I'm excited for them. I'm excited that they get to experience what we've had to endure. They get to go through what we've had to, to go through with our children. And, and, and it's, it's just funny to me when now that mine's grown and she's no longer uh, uh, holding on to my, my, my legs or, or Iola's coattail, when we, when we see others going through the process that we went through it it brings joy to my heart to know that I'm not in this by myself you know you know you heard it your parents told you one day you'll see for yourself didn't they they told you that because of how you were you were treating them but you know I'm really excited for Greg and Elena and I'm sure Elena has been told by many women who have who are already mothers of what it's going to be like when she sees that baby boy for the first time I'm sure Greg has been told by some of his friends who are fathers of what it's going to be like for the very first time when he lays eyes on this little boy. But I'm here to tell you that it will fail in comparison to when it actually happens to them. What we've told them, what others have told them will not compare to what takes place when they experience it for themselves. You know what I mean, don't you? When you experience your child for yourself versus what someone else had told you, I want to tell you when we become an eyewitness account of experiencing something that God has given us, it's a different story. We have a completely different story to tell. And you know the wonderful thing is it's wonderful to share the gospel with others of what Jesus has done for us. We as born again, born again Christians, we are commanded to share the gospel. We're commanded to share our testimony. We're to share about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Actually, Acts 1 and, and 8, it tells us, you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, which is at home. You should be witness for me also in Judea and Samaria, which is nationally. And you should be witnesses also to the end of the earth, which is global. Here we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with passion and filled with joy. We are to share Jesus is a way, we, in a way that where anyone listening to us will feel as if they were right there the moment we got saved. But listen, unsaved, I want you to understand this. Listening to another Christian tell you about their experience in meeting the Lord is nothing like you experiencing it for yourself. You if you would surrender to Jesus yourself, what you experience when you when he sets you free from the penalty of your sin, when he breaks the chains of bondage that frees you from guilt and shame, when he gives you new life and fills you with hope, comfort, and peace, it's like nothing you've ever experienced, and no one can fully describe it. There's nothing like meeting our risen Savior for yourself. Oh, when you we when we say you're living beneath your privilege, it's only when you experience meeting him for yourself that you truly understand and why we want to others to experience him for themselves. Yes, I believe that once we meet him for ourselves, as these women did, the Bible says. They adored him. I believe we will adore him also. 
we see the adoration there at the end of verse 9. When they, when they seen Jesus for themselves. When they met him there on the road. They were overcome with love and joy. The Bible says that they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. You know, that's the natural reaction for someone who loves Jesus. Is that we fall and we, we worship him. When we're in his presence and we're experiencing his presence, that should be our natural reaction. We all worship in different ways. Some stood up a while ago. Some sat and wept a while ago. Some, some uh, worshiped in their own way, in whatever way that is. That's our natural reaction. When we experience the presence of God, we want to worship him. <sighs> we can't help but worship and praise him when we are in his presence. Those who truly know the risen Savior have a desire to worship him. That's why there's such a commitment to be in the house of God. That's why there's such a commitment to spend time in God's word and in prayer. That's why we want to sing songs to glorify the name of the Lord. Because we love him for what he's done for us. And when we're in his presence, we experience that love. And we want to worship him. Some, you know, that's why even during a pandemic, churches got creative Many churches didn't just stop worship. They could have, but they wouldn't. Some went outside and worshiped. Some streamed online and live streamed online and, and they worshiped from their homes. Some, like us, we recorded a service through, through the week and then on Sunday morning we posted that service so that we could continue to worship God. That's what we want to do whenever we're in his presence. Those who love the Lord will desire to worship the Lord. And those who are not able to come to the house of God, they appreciate it. When services are, are able to be seen on TV or on some computer or on some smartphone or some sort of media device. It's because they want to worship the Lord. That's why we work while it's day because night's coming when we just can't work. That's why while we can, we come to the house of God and we work for the Lord because there's coming a time when we may not be able to get to the house of God. Amen. You know, William Temple described true worship in this way. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to, love, to the love of God. And to devote the will to the purpose of God. And that's what we do when we truly love him. We turn our attention to his holiness. We feed off his truth. We block out anything other than the beauty of him. We open our heart to his love. And we love those who are unlovable. And we devote what we, what he wants. It becomes what we want. When we truly love him. And we truly want to worship him. You know, let me remind us all, he is worthy to be worshiped. Wouldn't you say that? He is worthy of all praise. All the praise that we could possibly give him. There's no reason that we should hold back our worship and our praise of him. Our worship of our Lord in Christ is, to, is, is our expression of love to him. And if all heaven 
says he's worthy of worship, <laughs> which they do. Revelation 4 and 11 says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. Revelation 5 and 9 says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. We should worship him. Certainly, if all of heaven worships him, he's worthy of all of us worshiping him here on earth. You know, when we were without hope, without peace, without joy, without love, he pursued after us and he called us to himself. He didn't just call us to himself, he made us his very own. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. Just as these women, when they saw him, they worshiped and they praised him. He is worthy of us to do the same. Yes, we, we noticed that when our Lord appeared to the women, they adored him. But that wasn't the end of the story. Verse 10 helps us to see that they were also assured by him. He appeared to them, they adored him, and he assured them. Is when the Lord spoke to the women, it was to comfort their hearts and to confirm their mission. Remember what their mission was? To go and tell the disciples. Go and tell them that he is risen. To go to Galilee and they would see him there. And then Jesus stands before them and tells them the same thing. But he tells them, do not be afraid. He assures them in saying that, that all is going to be well. <laughs> I don't know where you stand, but I, I've come to a point in my life. I, I, there's very little that, that I'm afraid of. <laughs> I, now, I am afraid of a snake. I, I'll run like a little baby, like a little girl from a snake. I, I, I will. Hmm. But there's a lot of, there, there's things I used to be afraid of, I'm not afraid of anymore. There was a time in my life I was afraid to close my eyes and go to sleep. I'm not afraid to go to sleep anymore. There was a time in my life when I was afraid of what might happen if I didn't wake up. I'm not afraid of that anymore. I don't have to be afraid because that's already been settled between me and God. And if you find yourself that you're afraid, I want you to know that if you will give your life to him, he will take that fear away from you. Yes, we have no reason to be afraid anymore. He's alive. Because he's alive, <laughs> we can live also. Oh, the, that valley of the shadow of death. Oh, that David spoke about. He come to understand that it is just a shadow of death. And what I've learned over my lifetime is that I've never been hurt by a shadow. A shadow's never caught up with me. A shadow's never hindered me from getting to where I'm going. A shadow's never stopped me in my tracks. A shadow cannot harm me. And that's all death is for the believer. We are victorious. And all death may hound. It may roar. It may do all it wants at us. But we win if we're here we serve him if death comes we get to be with him for all for all eternity yes we win but he didn't just want these women to be to not be afraid 
He wanted his disciples to have the same assurance that they had. And he told them to go and tell them. He knew that some of the disciples, out of fear and out of confusion, had abandoned him. Some of the disciples, out of fear and out of confusion, denied him. But he no longer wanted them to be afraid. He no longer wanted them to be confused. Just so he he told the women to go tell them to go to Galilee. And there they would see him. He wanted to assure them that he is their savior. He's who he said he would be. But also that he loved them. You know, Fanny Crosby, due to an illness, was blind at six weeks of age. She was blind for her entire life. But she refused to live her life in fear. She refused to let her circumstance dictate to her to be afraid. Instead, she wrote over 8,000 songs. And at the age of 42, she wrote these words that you will recognize. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. (laughs) Oh, you know, the story of Jesus' resurrection was to be told. The women who went to the tomb, they went away with the story with the story of their own to share. Oh, what a story it was. It was the story of the truth of the gospel. Their story was that they saw him beaten, they saw him crucified, they saw him buried, and now they've seen him alive. They went to share this message to the disciples so that they their story would be Jesus' story. Or Jesus' story would be their story Jesus didn't want them to be afraid so they weren't afraid to share their story he didn't want them to be confused so he was going to reveal himself to them now I don't know each of your stories but I know my story I do know this about your story if you've been saved you don't have to be afraid to share your story with this lost and dying world. Second Timothy 1 and 7 tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. He is alive and he will take care of all that arises in our lives. If we, will find, if we ever find ourselves anxious, if we find ourselves unsure, we can look to him. Because the, just telling the good news of our Savior, trusting him, it will assure us that he is who he said he is. And if you're here today and you don't know our risen Savior for yourself, I want to tell you, he's alive. (laughs) And if you will, by faith, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will experience this comfort, this peace, and this hope 
that the Bible speaks about. And he will give you what you need. So you don't have to be afraid to share your story of how a risen Savior appeared to you. And how you adored him. And how each day he continues to assure you. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing today? As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Are you willing today to trust the story of Jesus? Are you willing today to trust the gospel? To know that it is the truth of God's holy word. Are you willing today to by faith receive it for yourself? And to experience God appearing in your life. Are you ready to experience worshiping him for yourself? Are you ready to experience the assurance that only loving him and him loving you can provide? You can today. It's up to you. As they begin to sing this song of invitation, as the church is praying, would you today allow this Easter Sunday to be the first day of the rest of your life living for Jesus?